Hello, darlings, and welcome to another episode of Over Underrated. Why am I being so flamboyant, so theatrical? You might ask, well, that is the theme of today's episode. Again, the themes are getting looser, but the chat remains good. We're going to be talking about theatrical Americans with Prince as overrated and Jill Tracy as underrated. And we're not alone. We're joined by Dr. Becky Alexis Martin and Annie Greaterex to discuss who they like, who they don't like, and much more. So welcome on the journey. Grab your feather bowler and join us on a trip to America. Oh, hang on. Yeah, what are we calling this podcast? <laughs> Was it over underrated? Over underrated. Sous évalué. Überschätzt. Over underrated. Over underrated. Welcome to Over Underrated, your favourite music podcast with Fran and Babs. It is I, Fran. So, Babs, have you had a lovely day? Thank you. I, 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 I'm just laughing at the big, the big introduction there. The best music podcast. My God, are we getting arrogant on season five? <laughs> I mean, I'm hoping they've only heard this podcast. <laughs> I think some people have. Yeah, I'm. I'm doing well. It was my birthday yesterday, and all I did was eat and drink, basically, which was lovely. How about you? I have been in a sweaty office all day, but enough about me. What music have you been listening to this week? <laughs> you really don't want to talk about it. Um, so this week I've been listening to Injury Reserve again. So they are one of the few bands that James Acaster introduced me to in oh. in the 2016 book. And um, I listened to their 2016 album, Floss, I think it was called, but hadn't, hadn't ventured elsewhere. But I shazammed one of their songs, Jailbreak the Tesla, this week, and it's my 2019 album. And I've been listening to uh, to that recently. How about you? I'm going to a festival on the weekend, so I'm doing my pre-festival research. I've been listening to some Suede. Oh. I've been listening to some editors who have a new single out called Kiss. And I've been listening to some Sam Fender and the new Hot Chip album. Okay, very good. Uh, but we're not alone here to talk about music, are we, Fran? No, we have a couple of guests. Yes, two guests. Um, not for the first time. Um, we have Dr. Becky and your friend. Is it Annie? Annie? It's greater it. Thank you so much for helping me. <laughs> and what have you been listening to this week? Mm, well, I'm excited about the new Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's music. Um, Hot Is Chip. That, what? Yes, apparently <laughs> there is a new Yeah, 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 Yeah's album oh. coming out soon. So I've been desperately trying to find out what's happening with it. Um, I have been impressed by the new Hot Chip stuff that I found online, um, which mm-hmm. is very good. And I've been listening to lots of Niels Fram, but I always listen to lots of Niels Fram. And Stevie Wonder, because he's my driving music. You know, you've got to oh, have oh, something something for a drive. So, yeah, and he goes on for a drive. So, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Varied. Annie, have you been listening to anything? Yes, uh, it's a slightly weird one because I've been working on a piece of my own. So I've been listening to a lot of sea shanties and musical songs recently. Love it. Covering a gamut here with the music we've been listening to this week, guys. Very good. (laughs) Are you going to watch the Fishman Friends film? Um, Possibly. I like the first one and the music is fantastic. I... I'm a big fan of the cough suite. Uh, maybe not a <laughs> reference for our, our international listeners. But yeah, no, I, I quite like the first one. I, I wasn't sure if it needs to be a sequel. Is it maybe stretching it a little bit too Possibly, much? Possibly. Yeah. Maybe. So you have chosen this week's topic. Um, what tenuous link are we going for? I, I, I mean, I put theatrical Americans in the... Theatrical fa- Americans. Theatrical flamboyant Americans. What do you guys think? 
Yeah, I, I deal with that one. Yeah, we agree. Definitely very flamboyant, very American. So, yes. <laughs> Would you like to introduce your choices? Mm, yeah, so I'm Becky, as we mentioned earlier, and my selection for the overrated artist is somebody who's perhaps one of the more controversial um, individuals who's been included on the um, overrated list. Um, I have gone for pop royalty. I've gone for Prince. And for our underrated? Um, I have gone for um, American singer-songwriter, although I feel that she's more than that, um, Jill Tracy, who uh, is very theatrical um, and not that well known um, as far as I'm aware. So more about her later on. Let's start with Prince. Uh, Becky, tell us what you know about Prince and your background regarding him. I have an incredibly complex relationship with Prince. Um, I think I would begin by exploring and considering his wonderful, brilliant, talented music and his amazing songs that he's written for other artists. You know, from (laughs) Sinead O'Connor to the Bangles, he has produced some outrageously powerful songs. And you know what makes them powerful? They're carefully written, the cadences are just right, the melody is spot on, and they are just the right length. So my challenge with Prince, the reason why he's in the overrated pile today is not for his talent. He is clearly a talented multi-instrumentalist. He should know what he's doing. He understands his craft. And not just that, he inspired a whole music scene. Um, And he's a cultural icon. But he could have been all that and have an incredibly memorable an almost perfect repertoire if he had just made every song two minutes shorter. So my issue with Prince, my reason why I feel as though he's overrated is because he has the capacity. He's like that child at school. You know, when you get the report and it says, has talent, could try harder, um, or talks too much in class. I bet that was on his report when he was younger. Um, So he's incredibly talented. But his music that he prepared and performed for himself descends into these oversexed soliloquies, is the only way to describe it, really, where, um, you know, he's like pumping away, the solo is going, he's waffling on, um, and before you know it, seven minutes have passed. But you know that those seven minutes have passed because you felt every second of the last couple of minutes. So that is why Prince is in my bad books. <laughs> so would you say that he maybe tries too hard? He tried beyond <laughs> too hard. I think he was, to some extent, self-indulgent. And he didn't write his music for his audience, but perhaps for himself. Um, I know, which is a controversial because perhaps we should all write our music um, for our audience and ourselves. And, you know, perhaps there shouldn't be a dichotomy there, but I feel as though he very much, he had that talent. He showed he had that talent with other songwriters. And then when it came to himself, it was just, um, you know, High notes and twiddly solos. So, yes. <laughs> Annie, do you have similar feelings or what's your thoughts on Prince? Similar feelings. I must admit, I had to remind myself of Prince's music when Becky picked it because it's never been on my playlist. And he's always been one of those people, if he's come on at a party or something, I'm like, meh, it's fine. But I don't think the music should just be, meh, it's fine. 
but I do appreciate his showmanship and his his style, the the way he approaches stuff. So, yeah, a bit like Becky, there's some good bits and some bad bits with him. <laughs> Any songs you'd like stand out? Not really. This is the other thing I have with him. It's one of those that there aren't that many of his songs that I'm like, oh yes, that's Prince. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, it, it, could it be a generation? Um, I guess I'm the oldest person here, so maybe. Maybe I grew up in the in the Prince era of the eighties and nineties. So Babs, what's your Prince thoughts? So yeah, my my Prince thoughts. You know, I've always felt like I've been missing something with him because you know, as uh, as Becky said, he's clearly talented. He's t- clearly very original. You know, obviously inspired by kind of I guess Little Richard and Jimi Hendrix in terms of, of looks. Um, and I, I did look at all the music videos for the songs as well to kind of, I've got comments on his on his style and looks as well, right? And there's not many male pop stars who you can do that with. And I feel similar similarly to him as I do with David Bowie, where I'm like, okay, I think the reason why so many people are into Prince, it's got, you know, it's more than the music, right? Like it has to be more than the music because of how he looks and as Annie said, his showmanship. And I think my feeling was like, okay, he was the, I'm going to say the OG short king, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. he was one meter 57. Don't know what that is in feet and uh, inches. I, I'm guessing that's like five foot three, five foot four, something like that. And he was someone who, yeah, was clearly very androgynous, um, very sexual, but also champion female musicians. You know, he had this, this backing band, the, was it the revolution that kind of was deliberately kind of uh mm-hmm. multi multi-gender multi-racial etc so i thought like okay he, he seems like someone who was ahead of his time and was surprisingly accepted given the times that he was singing in and i do love the quote that i don't know who said it of prince will steal your girl steal her clothes and steal another girl wearing your girl's clothes <laughs> <laughs> but musically yeah i think i don't know that many of his songs he's one of those he's had 39 studio albums 39 and i oh. know so few songs and some of them i really like including you know where one one or so on this playlist you know looking at the kind of statistics that i'll, I'll bring in later about you know how many awards he's won and all that kind of stuff it is kind of incredible how uh yeah how how popular he is for you know as I said being like oh it's you know it's mostly fine um and yeah I find it very interesting what Becky said about twiddly guitar sides and falsettos I think that's definitely true as well (laughs) how about you Fran so yeah I I remember in the 80s I I was a bit scared of him yeah like as a as a seven year old, he was a bit too. Oh, what's He's happening here? Face, so, <laughs> so, so, and like I remember people at school. Were, like I was from that age when people at school were saying, "There's a rumor he can suck a damn yes. penis." So I'm that I'm that age. So to me, it's like, oh, <laughs> I, I don't think I'm ready for Prince yet. That seems a bit too sexy for me. So like, yes, yeah, so obviously I knew like you know Purple Rain and you know Doves to Cry, and I, I remember Bat Dance. I remember vividly because. As a film fan, I'm, I was so excited to see Batman. So when it had like clips of the film and the audio, I was like, oh my God, how exciting. And then in the 90s, I probably got more into him. Um, and then before you know it, he changed his name, well, to nothing. Uh, and then, you know, he was arguing with record companies. And then he just, through the noughties, he just seemed to bring out like box set after box set with like a thousand songs. And like, I lost track because it's just too much. So like after like, not after like 1995, I probably know one Prince song because it's just too much. And like, I thought, well, you know, where do I start? I'm not going to bother listening to a six CD box set because, I mean, I had free time back in the noughties, but not that much free time. <laughs> but yeah, um, 
And then later on in the noughties, I then discovered his new wave period, like his mm. early 80s stuff. And I loved that. So mm. I think for me, my Prince is like 1980 to 1984 Prince. But I guess he's got many different eras. And like, I guess when he first started out, he was a bit more of an R&B soul. And then he discovered, you know, makeup, heels, uh, keyboards. Mm. And he became a different guy. But yeah, I... I I don't really. I own the best of Prince. I don't adore him, but I will say that one of my biggest mistakes in my music life was he did a run of at the O2 in maybe the two thousand three or four, and I wanted to go, but then it was so much hassle back in those days to try and buy tickets for your, your friends. I cancelled it and went to Fort Park instead. <laughs> and oh, on that trip, the log room broke down whilst I was on it. And for health and safety reasons, they had to drain the entire log room. It took two hours whilst teenagers threw a uh, box of Coke at me. After waiting for two hours in the heat, they gave me one uh, voucher to skip the queue. So thank you, Fort Park. And, <laughs> and then never saw Prince because he died. So there we go. A heartbreaking story. And <laughs> So yeah, that is my Prince story. So um, Becky, you've made a playlist. Do you want to tell us why you've chosen these songs, what your process was. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I had a listen through his back catalogue. Um, all 39 um, albums? <laughs> um, no, not all 39 albums. I'm shocked to hear that. Um, but I had a couple of days of him on the background, in the background in Spotify. And um, mm-hmm. just to kind of catch the ones that caught my ear for, you know, better or worse. And I also had a, list, a listen to his covers album. Um, as well so he did um, an album covers that was released and I think it was 2019 um, posthumously um, that features music um, by artists who covered him or um, have produced I say covers I mean and songs that have been written by him that other artists have performed and um, I think that was the point where I really noticed the discrepancy I realized it was quite a lot of music I realized before that was quite a lot of music he'd written um, that generally women have performed actually beautifully um, that I'd really enjoyed and then when it came to his own stuff um, it was I had a more um, more contentious um, perspective um, and I think it's a shame in a way because I like his image I like the way he was so queer and outrageous as you said at a time when it wasn't um, wasn't commonplace um, or as commonplace I mean if you think about the early 80s in a way you know you had David Bowie you had kind of the um, new wave you had the new romantics you had that kind of made up look so I don't know if he was so I don't know I don't know if it was so extraordinary I think the fact that he continued continued that look as long as he did is quite extraordinary yeah, there wasn't many, wasn't many, many black artists. Yeah, yeah, sort of no, back yeah. In those days. yeah, no, I think you're right. He was, he was very good. Yeah, so my list um, is, um, I've got When Doves Cry, um, I've got Back Dance, um, I've got The Greatest Romance Ever Sold, I've got I Hate You, spelt with E-Y-E at the beginning, and I've got, this is the one that I think is going to upset several people out there, I'm sorry, I have my <laughs> opinions, maybe I shouldn't try and persuade me otherwise, um, I won't be persuaded. Um, the most beautiful girl in the world, um, which for me is, uh, I find it, oh, I just find it incredibly great. <laughs> I don't like the... <laughs> We can come back to that in a minute, your, 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 your hatred. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. We, we, we will give you space for that. Don't worry. Overrated. Sorry, go from the problems. So we start with When Doves Cry. I just felt it deserved a place here. 
um, after careful consideration, um, it's an epic, it is a saga. Um, and um, I feel as though it doesn't really, as though it keeps going, it keeps going. It is, it is one of the longest um, you know, pieces of music I would normally kind of, you know, I'd listen to, um, I would say is like a single song. I think it's like seven minutes, maybe more. It doesn't really go anywhere. I feel, I always kind of listen to it and it starts um, with pomp and, um, you know, it starts um, you know, in a way that kind of makes you think, well, this is going to sound quite exciting. It's going to go somewhere. It's going to... I'm going to provide you a really interesting narrative. Maybe, you know, it's going to be like Prince's version of Bohemian Rhapsody, but it never gets there. It lacks the different um, kind of, um, it lacks the kind of interest in my opinion to kind of keep, keep somebody engaged, but that's just my perspective. So yes. <laughs> so that's why I don't like When Doves Cry. And also what kind of title is When Doves Cry? Have you ever seen a dove cry? Not recently. No. <laughs> Maybe if they cry internally. <laughs> Annie, what are your thoughts on when does cry? I think I'm in a similar camp to Becky in that it is a big epic piece, and yet I can never remember what it sounds like when I when it's done. And so I think it's that same thing with because things like the human rhapsody you can always remember, but it just it never sticks in my head so I feel like it's a, a lot of fuss for not much really in the end have you seen the video uh, no I haven't uh, Babs do you want to talk about the video gosh yeah the video opens with Prince in a bath in a purple room there are dubs everywhere he's kind of naked wandering around and you know he's doing all sorts in the video he's on a motorcycle uh he's dressed up yeah have you seen purple rain the film any of you i have yeah and what, what's it what's it like Cause it's related to that isn't it yeah so this kind of was the trailer for the film which is why it has like the the motorbike although i think this um was stolen by the flake commercials do people remember the flake commercials from the ladies <laughs> yeah. in the bath yeah <laughs> they, they're prince they sold prince's idea there yeah but yeah, yeah but purple rain is apparently an awesome film, according to critics. I would say it's pretty shit, mm. um, but that's just my opinion. But um, he's also made Graffiti Bridge, which is even worse. So um, why is I it pretty shit? Is it self-indulgent? <laughs> yeah, and he's, he's not a great... For, for a charismatic performer, he does he has no charisma when he acts at all. But I mean, he's he's quite a... You know, you sent an interview, Fran, of, uh, mm. of oh, Prince. Yeah, but, he, yeah, he's yeah. an awkward man. He's, he's an awkward, soft-spoken man when he hasn't got, you know, an instrument in front of him. So it doesn't... And that's why he, he refused to do interviews afterwards. Like, mm. that destroyed him when he saw that. Mm. So that's why he, he went back into the into the mystery because mm. he didn't want that to, ha that to happen yeah, again. Fair enough, really. But I have to say, I love the song. I, I really love the song. And... I hadn't heard the album version before, so I think I'd only ever heard the single version. So the fact that it ends on this kind of, I call it like electric harpsichord solo, uh, and there's even more screams, which, yeah, I'm sure Becky and Anna, you hated, but I actually here, I thought it, it works quite well. Um, so I, I enjoyed listening to it again, and I enjoyed learning about the fact that it was actually a song written on request. So the, the director of the Purple Rain um, film he said, Prince, you know, can you write can you write a song to match the theme of a particular segment, which talks about 
a love affair, but also having issues with your parents. And you know what? What have you got to say, Prince? <laughs> Prince delivered, right? You know, in just as like his father, just like his mother. Uh, and I think you know the beginning. The lyrics are sexy. The sweat of your body covers me. Dream if you can a courtyard, an ocean of violets and bloom. Animals strike curious poses. They feel the heat. The heat between me and you. So I, I think, I think it's a great song. I will say though that as so many of the overrated artists that we discussed, the accolades are astounding. So it was ranked 35 in Rolling Stone's list of uh, 500 greatest songs. Um, and it's included in the their 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. And I don't know by what metric this has been measured, but according to acclaimed music, it is the 31st most celebrated song in popular musical history, which I'm like, okay, it's good, <laughs> but it's not that good. Fran? <laughs> and no bass. Uh, no bass. Yeah, you're right. This is crazy for us. Um, I like Becky said earlier. I like it for two minutes. So the keyboard riff, the drums, and the, the drums, dun, dun, dun. The, the atmosphere, the lyrics. But not, but by the time he's screaming near the end, I, I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> so. I remember playing it at home and my mother opening the door and wondering what was going wrong and you know checking on me to make sure I hadn't injured myself. <laughs> I think I think what one of Prince's problems is that he maybe needed an outside producer sometimes because you know he um the purple one couldn't rein it in. That's my worst pun I've done. So yeah, so I think one of this is sort of song that like when you think about it, oh yeah, I love that song, but when you actually listen to it again, it's like, oh okay, it's good up to a point but i would probably have skipped it after two or three minutes okay personally. i'm the lone uh fan of the baroque harpsichord soda whatever the hell it was you're not alone because that is the 31st yeah, well, yeah, I'm, alone, I'm alone in this chat but, uh, that's okay i'll go and talk to my friends on the internet <laughs> so moving moving on to bad dance bad dance mm, yes um again it's another one those pieces that was popularized by film i think people have really fond memories of kind of these old films sorry they are old now <laughs> and um one, one second am i the only person here here who's old enough to remember the film coming out to 1989 yes yes yeah, good 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 thank yes. you yeah, i remember it when i was older but um but like when 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 you know in the 90s um as kind of something you'd watch on tv i just feel but with bat dance, oh, it's jumbled. And um, the excerpts um, that are kind of smashed into the music um, from the film and these little little sound bites um, could have been done more elegantly. Um, and I wonder whether he kind of shoved it together as a commission for some pocket money um, and didn't really think about what he was doing um, during the process. And um, to be honest, <laughs> it's, it's um, I don't know, um, it's not his finest piece. Are they saying that? It was produced, um, as you said, in 1989, and so therefore it was quite, um, I think, correct me if, um, if I'm wrong, but I think it was quite a pioneering approach um, to use sound bites within a, um, you know, within a piece of music um, in that way. Um, but I just, I don't know, again, it's, it's got that kind of bravado um, almost, and it, it doesn't really have much dignity. Um, <laughs> I mean, I know it's not, it's not really... Not that the worst. Annie, have you ever danced about dance? Um, I have actually. <laughs> have you? Oh. Uh, but this one, I don't. It's musically, I'm not that fond of it, but it does have a slight nostalgic kind of pull to me because, um, 
I just remember watching all the current Batman films in a row with someone's sleepover mm. when we were teenagers. And so in my head, it takes me back to being like 15 again and trying not to show to my friends that I'm absolutely petrified of the Joker and the Penguin and all the other <laughs> villains in the things, particularly the Joker. So, um, yeah, it's a funny one. I'm not that bothered about musically, but it does have a kind of pleasant, nostalgic feel to me when I hear it. I can't even remember in the film where it's used. Is it over for the end credits? Because it doesn't really fit. I, I haven't a clue. I'm assuming it, it was a very long time ago and I haven't watched <laughs> the Batman series films since because I do have an issue with most of the villains in it. Um, <laughs> it just scare me too much. <laughs> Babs, have you seen Batman? Are you a fan of Bat Dance? No, I'm, I'm not a fan of Batman. I'm, I'm not a fan of superhero films in general. The only Batman I've seen is The Dark Knight and I thought it was fine. Nothing special, to be honest, which I know again puts me in a in a minority uh and i did not know the song at all and i loved it because it was a fever dream but in a good way like <laughs> annie you were saying that when doves cry you had no idea what it's about with bat dance my god what the hell is going on and so i was listening to it and i was like what what on earth is do i like this do i not so i had to kind of give it a few listens and then i saw the accompanying music video which is the campus thing on earth <laughs> and I, yeah, it just kind of uh, upped it for me. So yeah, so thank you for introducing me to this because it's totally new to me and I absolutely loved it. <laughs> you see, whereas I'd have preferred the music video to have been a silent film, I totally agree with you. It's an incredibly <laughs> elegant piece of um, cinematography. <laughs> and um, that it would have been better without the kind of audio narrative, in my opinion. So, yeah. <laughs> I had not heard the song for 30 odd years and it is a lot worse hearing it now than when I did as a kid like I'm gonna be yeah especially the bit when he goes stop the press who is she Vicky Vale and that song completely changes like who's actually dancing to this like can you actually dance to the bat dance because it keeps changing it it keeps changing every like four seconds it does seem like he's got some new toys and Prince is just having a laugh and like saying oh I've got a sampler button let's sample as much as possible Uh, it's got a lovely introduction I love the first 10 seconds Mm. And then after that, I struggle. Um, it's it's kind of like Emperor's New Clothes. I think because it was using all this new technology, it was quite exciting. I think people enjoyed it. But I think, I don't know many people who would probably go back and listen to Bat Dance. Um, I'm not even sure if it's even on the best of, to be fair, <laughs> even though it was like a US number one hit. But I always used to think, like, if you do, if you were listening to Prince and you brought, you know, a date home, and then suddenly Bat Dance came on. <laughs> <laughs> I'd leave. <laughs> Okay, bye. <laughs> Ending with that Joker laugh at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I saw that there. Yeah, he sampled at least seven songs, right? Uh, and, and some which then turned up on on later albums. So, yeah, I think as you say, impressive stuff. Technology. I mean, but I I enjoyed it. Like apps, like you said, not not one for a date, not one to listen to calm down to, nor dance to, but one to kind of sit and think about the meaning of uh, existence. I think. <laughs> But were you shocked to know this was like a massive number one hit? I, I had no idea it was this big. Yeah, I, I would have never guessed something so avant-garde would have been. like. Uh, but like, he was so big already at the time. This mm. is the thing. So I do I, I do miss those days when like like artists would make a song for a film. We've kind of lost that. You get it with Bond, but it doesn't happen anymore. Listen, you know? I've, I've mentioned this before. Honestly, the Twilight film soundtracks, Radiohead, St. Vincent, 
Muse, so good, so good. Yeah, but, yeah, but were those songs I mean, written yes, for were, the film? They were. Oh, really? They're, they're okay. songs that wow. aren't elsewhere, as far as I know. Oh, okay. So yeah, The Antidote by St. Vincent, one of my all-time favourite songs from the Twilight soundtrack. So let's uh, a gear shift uh, to the next song, Becky. Yes, the greatest romance ever sold. <laughs> it's so romantic. <laughs> no, it really isn't. <laughs> it's it's another it's another glorious. Well, vainglorious waffle, I would say. Um, and um, I don't know, it's it's kind of, I'd say it's Prince at his worst. It's taken all of the characteristics that make him Prince, channeled them, essentialized them and turned them into, into um, something that shouldn't have been written and shouldn't have kind of gone out there. Um, and at the same time, it's somehow a bit insipid. So what's your thoughts? So what's your perspective on the greatest romance? <laughs> <laughs> Well, should we ask Annie first? Um, I think I'm kind of with Becky. I don't get the romance feel to it. And so as someone who does like a, a good smoochy romance thing, it doesn't work for me at all. Um, and it is just, it waffles to me. Babs, this is a late 90s Prince. Had you heard of this at all, this, this song? I had not. I had no idea really about R&B Prince, to be honest, because, you know, when I think of uh, when I think of what are the Prince songs that I know and hear a lot, it's 1999, Raspberry Beret, When Doves Cry. So I was surprised that he did this kind of R&B with some Arabic strings. Like there's something something else going on that, that he's experimenting with. He abuses the Aeolian mode, if you ask me. Seriously, somebody <laughs> shouldn't have let that man near it. So, yeah. <laughs> But I think, yeah, I, I do, I think it, you know, rash, rationally, kind of unemotionally, it definitely displays this versatility. And I, I quite like how random, I do like how random instruments come in because it kind of surprises you. It, it doesn't quite go in the direction uh, that you think it's going in. But it, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't a huge fan. I was um, interested to see when reading up about the album, which is called Rave Into, the number two, The Joy Fantastic. That album has duets with Eve, Gwen Stefani, Annie mm-hmm. DeFranco, Chuck D and Sheryl Crow, which I'm like, oh, that's quite an interesting selection of people. And the fact that I don't know any of those songs, and I'm, I'm sure this is probably not the only album that he's collaborated with uh, other people with, but yeah, I don't, I don't know about it. And I was also interested to read that this album wasn't initially released commercially. Instead, an internet subscription service, uh, NPG Music Club, issued the album via mail. <laughs> and i will add that in the music video there's a scene where he's got some really good purple tiger print eyeshadow uh which i appreciated (laughs) and he had gone back to being prince suddenly i think for for yeah i I haven't followed the whole chronology of when he's the love symbol and when he's not (laughs) i think i think i think it became a symbol around 93 when um it was his his dirty hip hoppy kind of era mm-hmm. that was that was when he became a symbol of anything he went back to, in the late 90s yeah, to being it, prince it's fun that it's funny what you say about kind of growing up with him because yeah I, I feel like i knew more about what was going on in his life than i knew his music mm. so i feel like i remember vaguely hearing about you know he's a symbol he's not a symbol but i would say since 95 or something i would not have known a single song that he did then then on for someone who wrote about you know this 1999 and this album came out in 1999 it's not exactly uh, a disco one visit really <laughs> not like at all. his 1982 song was more hip than this one um i had never heard the song before i i, I remember the album cover at work because it stands out massive massively the big blue is it a cat suit is wearing in the, in the album cover or something but yeah it, it, it sounds like a parody of prince 
it's, it's, it's too polished, but it's uninspired. It's like he was, he was in the 80s. He was always pushing forward and being mm-hmm. an edgy artist. And and by now it's like, oh, oh, this is Prince. Yeah, but I, I guess kind of R&B was popular then, right? So mm. is, is he doing what David Bowie did as well, where it's like, okay, David Bowie went down the industrial rock route because that was kind of one of the sounds of the moment and Prince has just gone to another but but I guess his first ra- his first album was like well, R&B really um, yeah I don't, I don't know yeah, this he's just, yeah. he's just gone full circle but unfortunately obviously didn't so yeah it's an it's a no for me um so what's the next track Becky um it's I hate you um and um I just it's just really disappointing it's one of those and how would I describe it um it has a real 90s feel to it, um, I would say. Um, and it begins um, with this almost kind of like fake court case, um, which is really <laughs> perturbing, actually. I mean, of course, you're not going to expect, um, you know, sunshine and kittens from a song called I Hate You. Um, but um, it's quite a strange, quite a strange song, really. Um, when um, you kind of listen to it and it begins with you but something like I think it's you are welcomed to the hate experience and you're like oh my goodness I've only just dealt with the fact that you know the Prince experience <laughs> and now we have the the hate experience and what are we going to get um, and um, it has many cliches it has so many cliches I didn't know you could fit so many cliches into one song it is tremendously impressive actually um from that perspective um and the bit I like best or rather I don't know whether I like it um the bit I the bit I feel is most deserving of inclusion in this in this blacklist um um is the um the section where they talk about the court um and um he's you know he sings the court is now in session would the descendant please rise state your name for the court um, never mind Billy Jack bitch you're being charged with two of many counts of heartbreaking in the first degree <laughs> it's just beautiful beautiful <laughs> it is unnecessary I've, I've reserved my lyric quoting I've held off until this point because we know that his lyrics are often absolutely ridiculous um, and that is one of the as you know, when we think about, for instance, um, like Purple Rain, it's one of the things that maybe makes it quite enjoyable, actually, is the fact that it's, 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 um, you know, it's vibrant and um, insubstantial, but really kind of interesting um, to listen to, really fun to listen to. Um, Whereas with this one, I Hate You, I feel like he should have stuck to the love songs. He should have stuck um, to the, to the, to the more kind of joyful side of life. And so this deviation, didn't really, um, you know, didn't really show the best of him um, as a man. Um, so this is why um, I hate you has um, got him on my um, <laughs> got him on my um, on my um, overrated list. Is there any reason why he changed the eye to the physical eye? Or was that just him having a laugh? I think that's probably just him having a laugh. You know, the he likes to play around in his letters. And yeah, stuff, yeah, right? yeah. He was like he'd have been like I imagine his text in the early 2000s would have been <laughs> phenomenal can you imagine you know the text speak he would he probably invented text speak you know he would have loved an emoji giving him credit that's for. it I, I was thinking he i hope he used you know i hope he had a smartphone and used emojis uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um, annie had you ever heard i hate you before no um it's not one that i've ever heard before and i 
quite happily will never never <laughs> turn again. Um, oh, spoiler! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just I know it, I couldn't quite Becky it just couldn't deal with me. And I do the when I like Prince, I like him because he's being upbeat and he's fun and it's you know it's a mood and it just I didn't get the mood and I didn't feel it. Plus, fact of having a rational hatred of text speak, which doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> saying that though it would make extraordinarily good music for i don't know early 90s teenagers to cry in their bedrooms so i think this served a very important purpose it had a, it has a legacy it has a place in history um, and it has become totally irrelevant <laughs> since then in fact this is probably the first time anybody's discussed it um, you know <laughs> i doubt it <laughs> <laughs> Abs, are you a big fan? Uh, no, I think the only thing that I was a fan of was the weird fax noises at the beginning. Um, <laughs> and I'm not a fan of this R&B, 90s R&B Prince. Um, this is, I, I, I enjoyed this much less than The Greatest Romance. But what I did find, which I wasn't expecting, the, the speak singing bit, you know, kind of, especially in the court, mm. it made me realise where Flight of the Concords get a lot of their shtick from. It really, <laughs> really reminded me of, especially mm-hmm. Jermaine from Flight of the Concords, which, yeah, I didn't uh, expect, but yeah, again, another interesting one to to read into because yeah, you know, in the music video, he's got slave rent on his face and that's apparently related to Warner Brothers because he went mm-hmm. back to them and there was a, yeah, maybe you know more about this friend and you can, you can tell us. Um, but what I found quite disturbing was reading about the woman in the music video who was his wife, who he met when she was 16. He oh. then took her on as her legal guardian and bought her like a flat in Minneapolis. And then when she was 19, he instructed her to go on birth control so they could start having sex. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. So Prince's feminist credentials are not uh, <laughs> are not intact, unfortunately. Um, yeah, because again, okay, obviously fantastic that nothing happened uh, when when she wasn't of legal age, but that is quite weird and a bit groomy. And, you know, they married when she was 22 and he was 37. And I mean, listen, I think they they did have a relationship and, you know, they had a kid who unfortunately passed away um, when like six weeks after he was born and stuff. And I think that, that put a toll on them, but that really made me disappointed. Uh, although, yeah, this... Apparently, this song wasn't about her. Apparently, it was about Carmen Electra. Uh, and and uh, yeah, so apparently, when Prince was dating Carmen Electra, who knows what he was doing, she said, I went out with a guy, I hadn't slept with this person, and Prince found out. He said, I wrote this song about you, and then he played I Hate You. So, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> so, what so, a yeah. way to propose. <laughs> what, what a way to uh, to let your feelings uh, be known. So, so, yeah, what do you think, Fran? There's a another interesting interview around for 94 when the whole like i'm the uncle prince came out he, he said yes to an mtv interview but he wore a mesh mask and refused to speak to the interviewer mm-hmm. and his his then girlfriend had to speak for him and it's like what are you doing mate what are you doing i believe the slave thing happened post george michael i think he was the first person to sort of fight back and it was during a time when prince was making more music than he was supposed to. So he was supposed to make an album a year and then tour and promote it. But he was getting frustrated because by the time he would go on tour, he had made two new albums and didn't want to promote an album he made two albums ago. Mm. And But Warner Brothers refused him to release those records. So he was then saying he's a slave because he can't release what he wants to release. 
hence why the slave malarkey i think i think ended about 1996 so anyway went on his own label um but yeah i had never heard the song before um i think it's from the gold experience i like like an experience um the song gold gold is it is a decent pop song not that one you left the gap prince hates it and it's not the best of um so yeah have you seen the film coming to america no, I, no, I know references to it and stuff, but yeah. Well, there's a there's a a band called Sexual Chocolate, which is a which is an <laughs> on purposely shit R and B band. When he breaks it down and starts talking to the audience, which I think is where Flight of Concord got it from too. And this reminds me of Sexual Chocolate. It's <laughs> a great showcase for his vocals and guitar playing, not for his lyrics. It lacks any magic. Um, the reason why the guitar the guitar cuts out at the end because I think on the album it goes into a new piece of music. That's why it suddenly cuts out. But um, yeah, I'd be happy to never hear this uh, Prince again. Um, so moving on, what's the, what's your final piece of music? Um, this may be contentious to my listeners. I'm very sorry, but and I think while doing this podcast, actually, I've realised I've had this revelation that I don't have an issue with Prince per se. I have a massive issue with 90s Prince. So if we can think of him as perhaps multiple characters, I know he didn't quite have the David Barry Ziggy Stardust thing, but my problem with him is very much 90s. Um, so I would say that's his overrated era. Um, and so of course the classic 90s um, tune is the most beautiful girl in the world. Um, and I feel as though I really want to like this song. For a musician who is so accomplished, and um, for somebody who was renowned for his quirky, slightly, you know, genderqueer and almost a little bit perverted um, reputation, I feel like it's such an insipid tune. And yeah, it's so popular. I don't understand why. I'm sure that maybe somebody can enlighten me, but um, I know, so I can, I'm thinking of somebody in particular that I know where it's one of their favourite songs, and we had quite a oh, fierce. Yeah discussion um, about why I why I didn't appreciate Prince um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah um, and to be honest with this one I've, I've got very good justifications for the previous four but with this one sometimes it does just come down to personal taste and I just don't like it <laughs> that's perfectly fine perfectly <laughs> Don't worry, don't you, we, we don't get any venomous emails to this. We're not, we're not big enough, so don't worry about it. You're in a safe place. Oh. <laughs> Annie, greatest song of all time? Or... Not greatest song of all time, no. but and I don't think it's necessarily his most musically adept piece, but I do quite like it um, because it does have that very late 90s rom-com vibe to it and as someone who grew up watching those kind of films I automatically in my head I'm there in the the final scene and so it, it is quite does tear me up when I hear it <laughs> so you, you can imagine this in she's all that that sort of era yeah Babs I, I will save my my thoughts go for it <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm with Becky on this one. It's it's most definitely overplayed. I think, I think it's probably big because it is a catchy chorus, but I think it's overplayed. And yeah, I, I I'm not a fan. 
I think the only thing that was kind of new to me, I, I forgot there was like a bit of a DJ scratch breakdown, which I enjoyed because that was a little bit different. <laughs> but, you know, it is a kind of cheesy, cheesy ballad, basically, which is not my vibe. Um, but I will say that his eyeliner and eyeshadow in the music video are amazing. Great stuff. <laughs> Great cat's eye eyeliner. And yeah, the video is a bit of a weird one because it's basically him with his backing band. And there are lots of women, you know, who I guess are meant to be the most beautiful women in the world, but some of them are looking at themselves on a screen. Some are looking at other people. So there's this one woman who's looking at on as Nona Gay, who's Marvin Gaye's daughter, becomes president for some reason. It just, it kind of, it doesn't really make much sense. I'm like, okay, see what you're trying to do here, but it's a little bit surreal. So yeah, Becky, you're not alone. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's a nice to know. <laughs> I was not a fan of this. And the same with the song Diamonds and Pearls. It was really bland. So I I always thought this was a cover. For some reason, I thought this was like a, like a 1970s band, like the Commodores or the Pasadenas, just because it's so like saccharine. It's like, so I was surprised that it actually was written by Prince. And like, yeah, like in that sort of same era, he's coming out saying you sexy motherfucker, but mm. this is a, you know, this is a mother hugger. This is, you know, this is, <laughs> this is, you know, silky smooth nice prince, and I don't like it at all. Yeah, I like my prince, uh, edgy, dangerous, and with some stockings. Uh, so yeah, mm. this is not for me, unfortunately. Yeah, so yeah, I think you're you're you're, you're right. I've, the '80s prince is by far the most interesting era of prince, and it's a shame that. You know his his flame burnt out like, and I'm not even listening to the North. He could have some fabulous albums in the noughties. Um, I've I've never dabbled, but it mm. does seem like you know he had ten years of being this brilliant performer, songwriter, and then slowly it, it fizzled out, unfortunately. Mm. So so yeah, I guess I know Becky's gonna say that he's overrated, but Annie, what's your thoughts? Is he over or underrated, Prince? I would say that he's like a lot of. And I would say that I would also argue that quite a lot of iconic musicians are slightly overrated because they become more than the music. And if you're just judging them on the music, his music's a bit hit and miss. So I would say he is quite overrated. Babs? Going on this playlist, yeah, definitely overrated. But as with so many of our overrated acts, especially the ones who have a big back catalogue, I just, I can't believe there isn't a, a good playlist out there. I had no idea he had a hip hop element. I, you know, I guessed he was new wave, but in a Prince new wave way, you know, like when I think of songs like, I don't know, Kiss or something like that, like it would, it would maybe fall under that, but I, I wouldn't think that. So, you know, Becky, you, you did a great choice picking some really, some not great songs. Although <laughs> I, I loved backdance, you know, like if, if it had been five backdancers, you know, I might not have called him overrated. So... So overrated for now. <laughs> Thank you. If you listen to the song called When You Are Mine, which I think uh, Cindy Lauper covered, that's a great early cut from, from Prince. I recommend I've heard the Cindy version. Ah. version and I like the Cindy version because I've got a yeah. very big soft spot for Cindy Lauper. So. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I can make uh, a, a, a mixed CD of Brilliant Prince, but I think... If you're looking at his entire back catalogue, is he perfect? Not at all. So yeah, slightly overrated for me. Hello, this is a promo for a podcast about a playlist. Yeah? Yeah, it's called Playlist Yeah, Yeah. My name's Mike Lash, former actor, former comedian, former creative, former cool dude. This is... Kay Mitchell, former musician, former art student, current cool dude. We've created a playlist, a fucking brilliant playlist. 
the best playlist ever to the point where we spoke to each other about how good the playlist is and that we wanted to be the people at a party who's putting on the music and only putting on a few seconds of the music before changing the song because everyone loves those guys at a party. That's us. So each week we have a guest and they have to choose one song to define them as a human person. person. One song for me, Mike Lash, to sing right after. And then because Mike is not the best person in his family, we've incorporated his mum to give her insight into each song, which will maybe help the guest to define themselves as a person but really we probably shouldn't get bogged down in the format of the podcast it's really heavily edited so it's not actually that boring it's quite short so i really think you'll like it kerry's kids are home so it's probably the end of this promo it is i was at www.playtheshare.com and available wherever you get your podcasts underrated So, Annie, I, I believe this is your choice. It is, yeah. So tell us why you chose Jill Tracy as your underrated. Um, I chose her for a couple of reasons. One, she's a relatively recent discovery for me. I only came across her in the last year or so. And she she was one of the few artists that I've come across recently that's made me want to go and find out more and find out more and, and, hit and listen to more of her stuff, which, yeah, has been quite rare recently to sort of brand new artists um and the other reason I, I i think she's underrated and i picked her was because one of the things i love about her is the fact that she's never signed with a big record label or anything like that because she refuses to be pigeonholed into a genre of music and i think it takes it takes a lot of bravery for a musician to go now i'm going to turn down that guaranteed money and go out on my own way and um, so those are the two main reasons i picked her in particular uh, Becky, have you ever heard of, of Jill Tracy before this um, podcast? Or? I've heard listened to some of her music before. Um, Annie actually introduced me to her um, <laughs> and um, is very clever, uh, very intricate, very beautiful um, music. So I was, um, I was very impressed, but I don't know much about kind of the background context. Um, in fact, it was only while we were talking over supper that um, yeah. I learned that she's um, self-propelled um, in a way that many artists aren't. So yeah. Babs, any thoughts? So yeah, I'd, I'd never heard of her. And when I saw kind of visually what she looked like before anything else, I was getting, I was like, was this going to be Amanda Palmer, Chelsea Wolfe, Karen Ann, Judy Cruz, you know, th- those kind of sort of alternative uh, vibes. Um, and, you know, she is on playlists called things like Steampunk Ambient and Dark Cabaret. <laughs> and uh, I think a lot of people have uh, have called her Neo Cabaret, which, which, which makes sense, I think, once you listen to her music. Um, like, she's a very clearly interesting and unique artist. So uh, I read a few interviews about her and it says, Jill Tracy is known for traveling to unusual locales to research and compose spontaneous music. Uh, including a uh, the Mutter Museum in Philadelphia to compose alone amidst glass cases of skeletons and specimens, as well as abandoned buildings in San Francisco's historical Presidio, a 1700s military base purported as one of the most haunted locations in the country. Okay. <laughs> okay, we've got it. And I really like her description on Spotify, which I don't know if you've seen, but the first paragraph is... Jill Tracy will transport you into a seductive and magical realm far beyond the everyday. Everyday is capitalized. The place we wished we lived. A dark, elegant netherworld full of hidden passageways, wonder cabinets, and opium dens. Of monsters, marvels, and mayhem, you know it's not safe here, but with Jill Tracy as your guide, you'll be in no hurry to leave. So 
I was very intrigued and was, you know, before listening to the playlist, I was like, okay, I'm getting, I'm getting these vibes off her, but would it match it? And uh, yeah, let's see. How about you, Fran? Had you heard of her? So from the name Jill Tracy, I thought, okay, is this going to be like a singer songwriter, folk artist? And not at all. It's, it's, it's a, for the music she creates, she's gone with us. Oh, I thought she may have used a different name, like a, a sewed them, like a, a more like a spooky Deville sort of name. But um, spooky yeah, Deville, I, yeah, spooky, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's that's the name of my side. My I was side project. Say, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I've listened to a, to a couple of podcasts, and she's talking about like she likes to record in unique places, and um, she believes that the sonic residue will help her music and the residue of ghosts will fall onto her piano and create a sound space. So all, all the, I don't think Prince even did this. And yeah, and you know, like it's, it's a lot of uh, Parisian theatre. I think she does acting as well. And I, I guess this is only a part of her... Uh, of her art i think she does a lot more than just music i was actually quite interested that she says her influences are all male british singers so she's a fan of uh robert smith well that makes sense but she loves david sylvian ah. as you've mentioned in a previous podcast and brian ferry which i thought was interesting and she says she likes how their, their voices are not brilliant and they you know like for example they're singing kind of kind of open throat uh, yeah, yeah, but she doesn't. But but her own vocals, I wouldn't say with anything like Brian or or David. I'm um, on a first name basis with them. But yeah, I was really? quite surprised when I listened to it and thought, oh, this is this is very theatrical and you know and filmic really, isn't it? And uh, yeah, I was um I was curious to get into to the to the playlist. So um Annie, tell us why you chose these five songs. What was your thoughts behind it? So the first one, Evil Night Together, was the very first song that I heard of hers. And I heard it in the background on a programme, which I have long since forgotten what the programme was. But it made me go search the piece of music out. Um, I mean, I'm a big fan of filmic music, film noir music, anything sort of that crosses that jazz cabaret boundaries anyway. So it's very me, especially the rhythmic piano and things like that. Um, But... It was the first piece I heard and it just inspired me to go dig a bit further and and look her up, which, as I said, when I listened to it at the time, I was going through a bit of a creative dry space myself. So it was very much like, oh, I'm feeling I'm feeling inspired again. And it's all down to this one piece of music that just got me sort of researching again and going oh yes no I get it and and enjoying enjoying the sort of that side of music again are you a composer yourself yes what sort of music do you create most of the stuff I've done I come from a, a very classical background um but I tend towards personally towards jazz and folk so it kind of most of the stuff I've done has been kind of soundscapey, slightly folky feel to it. And often for vocals and choirs and things like that in the past. And I'm currently working on a piece which is to go with a, an art exhibition to go on in the background in a mill. <laughs> which is amazing. As you do. Very cool. And wonderful. And I should add as well, um, Annie is um, like professional level musician with a degree in music as well. So um, like she's got the um, theory as well as the practice. Yes, so I am a theory geek. <laughs> yes. you're, you're highly decorated compared to us. <laughs> I, I, I will yokes. say my proudest moment, uh, hopefully Annie, you will empathise. I got 95 out of 100 on my grade five music theory. And honestly, oh, there wow. are fewer highs, that, but that's as far as I went. I did my grade six violin and then that was it. So, but still, that was hard. And I mean, it's this very 
nerdy kid who was uh, doing it at the same time as me. So, oh, fuck you, Max. No, not fuck you, Max. But, <laughs> but there we go. And five chords on a guitar. Well, you know, yeah, we're, we're all pulling our weight here. So, thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, so, so sorry, um, you, were, you were discussing your playlist options for um, Jill Tracy. Evil Nights Together was the first one I heard, and I just love the complexity of the harmonies and the kind of mood that it gave. And yeah, I can't remember where it was I heard it, but I could just remember that standout piece, and it inspired me to go searching. Do you want to introduce Evil Night? Evil Night Together. Yes, um, this is I like I like this because of the darkness. I think it kind of she balances this line between sort of the shadow and the light in a lot of her pieces, um, and it's just got it's got this lovely clunky piano and sort of very nostalgic um sort of film noir kind of feel to it as well mm. as this kind of cabaret and being a lover of cabaret and and that kind of slightly slightly on the edge all the time sort of thing I really like this piece um and yeah she she sort of she inspired me to go move on somewhere else <laughs> and find more of her pieces and Becky what, what were your thoughts when you first heard this I was astounded. It was not what I was expecting. It was a lot more intricate and interesting than I'd expected. So um, I am not educated in music like Annie. I am just like, I just enjoy listening and, and you know, I play a bit of guitar, a bit of cello, but none of them, well. <laughs> and so, um, but I love, I normally love quite kind of jagged, rough, kind of, um, like fierce music I'd say um, and I listened to this and it was very um yeah it was it was, it was beautiful um in a way that music I enjoy often isn't so it was very pleasant so, yeah and dark so yeah perhaps so yeah I found it interesting that Becky said this wasn't what she expected this was kind of exactly what I expected again having <laughs> having seen her look out the, the piano started and I was like okay we're in for this for this song at least and it was the first one that I listened to so the the piano I was like yeah it is kind of cabaret vibes but her voice took me by surprise I thought it was very mellifluous and very menacing here and a nice kind of combination with the piano and Annie, I think the TV show that you saw it on was Dexter because it, it did soundtrack Dexter. Um, oh, yeah, it could well be. Yeah. Uh, and it is her most popular song on Spotify. So it's got 1.28 million uh, listens. Yeah. So probably, you know, it's probably on some playlists or, or something. So, yeah, when, when I was listening to it, I was like, OK, this isn't really my kind of thing because, you know, all the artists I mentioned before, I, I'm you know, they're, they're fine, but I'm not you know a huge fan. But I imagine that, you know, seeing it live or putting it on a film or tv show it would it would go very well and yeah when i saw that it was on dexter i was like yeah serial killer thing makes sense <laughs> we uh previously see guested on a, on a tom waits uh podcast and yes. i'm getting some tom waits i've got vibes. tom waits vibes for Have later you? songs yeah 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 definitely so yes yeah, it's, it's got like a, a timeless quality i mean this is the late 90s this is the era of destiny's child and no scrubs and this is not that at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the breathy, yeah, breathy vocals. It, it may be a bit too overtechnical for me, but yeah, but I'm a big fan of film soundtracks, and I can admire the cinematic uh, quality. And I didn't know this was on Dexter, but I put here this would be fantastic for a late night TV theme. So for like <laughs> for like sci-fi or B movies, that's kind of thing. So yeah. Um. So what's your, your next pick? Annie. Uh, next pick is Hour After Hour um, and this is a slightly earlier piece of hers um, and I particularly like this one because it always every time I hear it I, it leaves me feel feeling slightly unsettled there's something in the way that the the piano and the voice 
almost seem to they they do work together but they almost seem to be slightly off as they as it goes through the piece um and i just i love the fact that it's just her and the piano and yet she manages to create this sort of very unsettled atmosphere and there's no there's no special effects there's no added orchestra it's just her and a piano and I, I like the kind of skip backness of that. Becky what are your thoughts? Yeah it's it's musical minimalism um isn't it really I guess so yeah I quite enjoyed it I think I prefer um kind of um you know more I don't know like um a bit more substance um well it's got substance but um but you know it's only like a bit more texture um I'd say personally but I did enjoy it I liked it um, and I think I think her work it continues to be surprising and, and very interesting. So yes, it, is this is from from her debut album? Yes, yes. With each album, does the sound change much? You're saying it's quite sparse, but does she change textures at all per album? Or um, the ones that I can find, she she always has this underlying sort of darkness to it. But she does she adds layers and things like that. And certainly in her later albums, she's adds cello and strings and. And various mm. other things around it it's never never massively sort of it's never a massive musical thing but she does add more with her each each album gets a little bit more complex so she's not added any samples at a bat dance or anything no <laughs> not yet well that's what your thoughts uh i much preferred this i i really enjoyed this this kind of simpler offering of just piano and, and vocals and her voice sounds much softer and sultry which is yeah i don't know it just worked for me a bit more and yeah despite it not being my usual cup of tea i i, I really like this song but i will say i'm i left spotify for tidal it is not on tidal it is only on spotify so come on jay-z or whoever's in charge of it uh i would like to save it there and um yeah looking at the lyrics i've written well they're pretty lyrical <laughs> i'm great with the synonyms this is why i work in communications but yeah the lyrics are you live inside a clock i feel your hands upon my face choking on the aftertaste of time should the ticking stop just watch my heart disintegrate into these fragments you've embedded in your mind like what you know you really you hear them as well because it really is just just her and a piano so yeah i i, I really like this song kind of surprisingly for, for me yeah i thought it's more straightforward um than the first one again it's 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 very it's very out of time it's in its own own era i wanted to ask have you seen her perform live i wonder if this would work better in a live experience because she says that um she was doing some theater work where she would be killed on stage every night and then to come eventually come on and perform and i guess that would work if that's with the whole gothness of it i think maybe without that for me i think it needed a little bit more i think it's a bit too sparse for me i think maybe if i was in a room with like candle lighting and that sort of it, i'd be i'd be into it a little bit more have you have you seen her live or, no, or I haven't. On, on youtube to um, and actually, yeah, yeah, let's go find her and yeah. see her live. <laughs> there is a, she, she's quite hard to find on things like YouTube and stuff, oh. which I think adds, in, to me, to my mind, that kind of adds to her appeal. But I think you're right; she she conjures up these images of a very specific type of performance, and uh, and you kind of want the 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 gothic candles and the dark room, and you know, not just. You know, a sunny. It doesn't. It doesn't always work on a sunshiny day in a, in an ordinary lounge. Yeah, yeah. If this was playing, you know, on for John Lewis soundtrack, uh, would, I don't think it would work. Would it? <laughs> she's <laughs> <laughs> she's very much a San Francisco artist, isn't she? Is that right? Yeah. So, do you know? Does does she do like you like tours of, of the world, or is it just many? Um, I believe she's done them in the past. Obviously, mm. um, not that recently. Um, but 
uh, she does these things called that she terms sonic seances 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 um and where she will go and uh, perform and yeah it's the spontaneous improvised music based on i mean i'm the last person in the world to get into the whole uh, seance kind of otherworldliness but having said that as a composer i kind of I compose very visually. I, I see a place or something, and that's what makes the sound. So I can see a similarity there. Um, and certainly when she spent a night in the medical museum in Philadelphia, I would have loved to have done a similar, a similar thing because for me it's like objects or a place will will make the music in the head rather than necessarily just random inspiration <laughs> i i just wanted to add that um i read that she's hailed as the bell of the ball for the edwardian ball did you guys read about this no that's one thing i haven't read about it so I'd, I'd never heard of this ball before uh before so it's dedicated to the late writer and artist edward gorey who i'd also not heard of but he has quite kind of yeah again maybe i'm i'm being very simplistic here but let's say steampunky gothy illustrations and looking at the pictures it is kind of that that vibe you know people all dressed up and stuff so i i think if she is the bird of the ball i'm guessing she performs there if not every year than than regularly and i think it would be a very good atmosphere to catch her music in for sure she hasn't made an album for like 12 years was at the spotify's uh, stats uh, she's made eps and singles i think uh, but, yeah. yeah so to your next track what have you got okay so this is whispers behind the glass this is completely different, um, but this is one of her newer pieces. It was written during lockdown um, and it is just piano um, and very minimal piano, very different from her other work. Um, although having said that, it's very reminiscent of some of the sort of early 20th century French composers like uh, Satie and people like that, because it's got that minimal repeated rhythms um, and it's very, I think it, it, it's a mood it, it sets a mood and it, it certainly sets that sort of mood I think that a lot of us felt during 2020 of being sort of everything just being on one level and still and alone and it's yeah it just makes it makes you feel calm when you listen to it. <laughs> Becky does it make you feel calm? I love it um, I think it's a um, beautiful um, piece and very um well constructed um, and carefully composed so yes i'm in total agreement with you on this <laughs> one so it's perfect in my opinion babs is it perfect for you uh, i yeah i absolutely love this um and it's yeah it's good to get it confirmed that you know the classical music inspirations because i wrote this feels like modern classical music to me i i would not be so knowledgeable as to kind of uh, know that it was sati or anything like that but i thought it was really atmospheric and and lovely and i immediately added it to my chilled playlist and it was interesting to read about her her approach to writing music in 2020 so i think yeah it's, it's very rare actually for us to have instrumental songs on the podcast mm. and i I enjoyed that. And when she talks about the music she wrote in 2020, I think not necessarily this, because she did quite a few kind of singles and EPs. She said, it just seemed like to add a vocal or write lyrics was unnecessary. I didn't need to supply a narrative because everyone out there was going through something profound and devastating, frightening, life-changing, and they all had their own stories. They were living it, so I didn't need to tell them how to feel. So I think it's it's deliberately, I think, a piece for people to reflect their own worries and, and desires on. And uh, I, I also find it really interesting to read about an EP that she did in 2020 that she recorded as the Californian wildfires were happening around her. 
So she said, she, you know, she wake up, she saw this orange sky. It was uh, apoplectic. And she just decided like, right, I've got to, I've got to sit mm. down and record. And so she recorded, I think all day and then released an EP called A Dark Day, which is all music from, from that day. So she's, she's a very creative and, and interesting woman. And, and yeah, this was a lovely surprise. So thank you, Annie. <laughs> Randomly, this was the first song I listened to. Just cause, and I thought, oh, I thought maybe it was like in, in Audi, maybe we had a, a, a complete in, <laughs> instrumental. I mentioned uh, the band Japan earlier. There's a song called Nightport by Japan, which is very similar. Um, David Sylvan's a big fan of Debussy. I don't know if Debussy would be an influence of this as well. I've not heard Master Booty. It's sparse, spooky. I like how it builds up in the middle and then gently goes to bed as it goes on. I, I don't know if you are on a date and bring someone back home, if this is a, a good track to play. Or maybe that's back dance again, I don't know. <laughs> maybe both. So, what's your next track? Okay, so the fourth one, Sell, sell, my, sell my Soul, um, is it's a return to, very similar to Evil Night Together, that sort of cabaret, dark, dark side. But I, um, this one, I think it really showcases her perfectly imperfect voice, because she's got a voice that does change as she goes up and down the octaves. And as someone who spent years being yelled at by various singing teachers for changing my voice as you go up and down the octaves, because when you sing classically, that's not allowed. Um, you should be smooth. And that, it appealed to the, re the rebellious side of me. <laughs> and also it reminded me of a conversation I had with a, a fellow um, singer who, who's also a great jazz pianist. Um, and she was talking about how we're losing that imperfectness of a lot of the great jazz singers if you listen to them and you analyze their voices they're not perfect by any technical standard but their music is just phenomenal and the feeling is amazing and that's what's more important than having the perfect arc of voice and I just like that it showcases various parts of her voice and she's got a very kind of distinctive you, you'd know it was her a mile off whatever she was singing she's got this very distinctive almost whisper voice and then she can just sort of lift it up or, or down and and I think Sell My Soul really showcases that one yeah but there's no vocoder happening here so it's all it's all real so was your teacher a bit like Riplash were you singing too <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, she was actually lovely, but it was at the time when I was learning, it was the convention in classical singing that when you were singing for exam or something like that, you had to have a very uh, indiscernible change between your chest and your head voice and that it should be a smooth arc all the way up. And it took me ages and ages after leaving university to learn that it's okay not to to have that text to add that texture to be, mm. to change as you go up or down as, as it goes so uh, becky um do you have a perfect singer voice and also what's your thoughts on the song <laughs> <laughs> i think the song's very um yeah it's interesting um i was thinking it's kind of got i don't know if you if elliot smith and the Dresden Dolls and Katie Jane Garside had a child. And then, <laughs> you know, um, tickets to one too many goth nights, and you'd get this song. Um, mm. It's wonderful, um, and I really like that. I like kind of the combination of the um, and the and the nature of her voice as well. It's very, um, it's very interesting, very good. Um, but yeah, she's um, she's very distinctive, isn't she? Yes, yeah, I like that, especially. Um, because I can think of quite a few men who break that kind of traditional like way of singing 
um, and who have quite distinctive voices, but fewer women. So yeah, I think that's another really interesting thing. Babs. So when I when I first listened to it, I felt similar to Evil Night Together because uh, yeah, I, I wasn't liking the the piano so much. That is a kind of piano sound that I don't really like. Um, but on re-listen, I really appre- appreciated the drums and the strings and the journey the kind of the song takes you on so you know I kind of tried not to focus on the piano so much and I could only do that on on Renis and so by by the end I I did kind of appreciate it even if you know say I didn't save it to my my library and uh, this might be a strange comment but I I almost felt this sounded like trip hop really like if Massive Attack did piano I Mm. think they they would do something like this which is not at all I would expect but I don't know there's a there's an atmosphere that she creates that is, is similar to me, mm. that of trip hop, even though trip hop is obviously much more electronic. And uh, Fran, this was the Tom Waits one for yeah. for me that I, I put the comment on as well. So clearly a lot going on. <laughs> but when we did our trip hop, um, we decided that Massive Attack are quite sinister in style. Yes. So, oh, yes. They, yes. Yeah, so, so I, can, I, can hear, I can hear that. I think this is probably my favourite after this. I think it's maybe the most commercial. It's got more of a fuller band sound. I, put, I, also put, I also put down for Western Dolls because, you know, if you mix like that piano and that drum sounds that makes come to mind, the drums play a starring role. I think it's got a Cure style chorus to it. I can imagine Robert Smith delivering that. Clive Barker's a big fan and he described the song as saying that Jill Tracy creates an elegant never world that is both seductive and terrifying so, <laughs> sounds about right yeah sounds about right so yes yeah, so I, I, I enjoy this what's your final track uh, the final track is Doomsday Serenade because uh, this one in particular I think really showcases her ability to walk that line between shadow and light because it couldn't be a more depressing or sort of terrifying subject and yet the actual feel to it throughout most of the song is actually quite light-hearted. I grew up on quite a lot of um, comic songs um, and in particular um, I have parents, uh, a mother and a grandfather who were very very big fans of Tom LaHere and I regularly sang Poisoning Pigeons in the Park and various other uh, things as part of my recitals and stuff because I was never very good at the grand opera stuff so <laughs> I went with the comic instead and it it just reminds me although it doesn't have the comic element it reminds me of this kind of yeah it's this balance between dark and, and light and, and 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 the doomsday the doomsday subject matter and then this very light-hearted piano feel slightly musical cabaret mm. feel to this whole song. Becky what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's 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 an intriguing tune, isn't it? I always quite like that dissonance when you have sombre lyrics and then kind of a poppy tune. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of the things that keeps me still listening to, um, for example, the Smiths, even though I I have I have beefs. Do you? I wonder wonder why. I wonder why. So unassuming, Morrissey. Um, But yeah, I really like that. that that distance so i think that works very effectively and i'm grateful to you for introducing me uh i'm sorry to bring down the vibe but uh, this was easily my least favorite Uh, i think especially because there's this kind of rachmaninoff start and i was like oh hello and then it's pure cabaret and i was like oh that's that's not (laughs) that's not what i was expecting from this piano Uh, and it sounded very honky tonk and you know i went to look at the lyrics and i was like yeah but Musically, really, yeah, I'm afraid, uh, not 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 to my vibe. But see, I, I thought it was going to be five tracks like this, and I was worried. So, I, you know, I'm glad that it wasn't. And yeah, I, I do understand kind of why people would like this, but it's uh, it's not my cup of tea, I'm afraid. 
Yeah, there's more, more violins um, on this. It sounds like 1920 Chicago a bit, mm, a bit yeah. jazzy, like the femme fatale sort of sound. Like, who said romance is dead when you're going to have lyrics like, we tiptoe through the carcasses and bones. <laughs> Lovely stuff. <laughs> like tiptoe, very delicate, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's, there's that famous song, isn't it? We're meet again, don't know what. I, I wonder yeah. if, that's, if it's a play or not, is that on purpose? But yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. I mean... It's not really my genre. I'm more like S Cup 7. Um, <laughs> sure. So, you know, it's a bit too much for me. But yeah, but yeah, I, I totally enjoyed it. And I think this music would be great with a, a backdrop of, a, you know, a visual to go with it. And I know she does do a lot of videos on YouTube. Yeah. So that, that makes a lot of sense to me. So um, I know what Annie's feelings are. But Becky, overall or underrated? I think underrated um, and I think it was um, I'm very glad that you introduced me to um, someone who's such a kind of versatile artist um, but I love a show tune I love cabaret um, <laughs> and I love the Dresden doll so so much Amanda Palmer oh my goodness I love her so I quite enjoy how theatrical she is in fact I prefer her overblown tunes to her ones that are simpler um, perhaps apart from the um, piano piece um, so it's a big it's a big yes underrated <laughs> for me but perhaps I need more time for it to ferment I mean I've had a lifetime of um, being able to decide whether I dislike Prince or not so um, <laughs> perhaps I just need more time <laughs> Babs have you had enough time to make your choice yeah I, I mean I prepared for this today but I do think it's underrated you know um, there are some beautiful songs on that playlist yeah I think my my favorite is maybe you know the the least kind of Jill Tracy song, The Whispers Behind the Glass. But I think any time that someone can recommend music that is not in my genre and, and I get something out of it, I, you know, of course I'm going to say they're underrated, especially when I've never heard of them. She has only uh, just over 12,000 monthly listeners on, on Spotify. Um, and yeah, I think with, I, you know, I didn't hate her more theatrical songs, but I think like, like Fran and like other people were saying, I would need visuals for those kind of just musically mm. by itself it, it doesn't do much for me but her playing piano is absolutely beautiful and she's clearly very talented and and yeah it makes me want to go and check out her 2020 music really if it's kind of all in, instrumental and, and stuff like that so yeah lots to explore and uh, thanks Annie for bringing her on. You know the, the reason why we started this podcast was to you know discover new music and, and give her an audience to I mean a, a kind of audience uh, <laughs> to be under, to be sometimes sometimes undiscovered artists and yeah again I would have never come across Joel Tracy in my day to day life especially in the world of Spotify giving me the same genre again and again and again so that that's what I, I miss about having you know uh, music friends when I worked in record stores is that you get introduced to things you wouldn't ever discover yourself and yeah this is it's great to be introduced to Joel to Tracy I love film soundtracks I'm a horror fan I like the Dresden Dolls. I like the Smiths. So I'm Smiths. I like the Cure and David Sylvian. So yeah, I I was happy to discover Jill Tracy. And yeah, I looked at the Spotify stats, and yeah, twelve thousand a month is pretty low. So yeah, she needs to be heard by more people. So I would say underrated. And thank you for introducing us to her. Okay, thank you, thank you, <laughs> Becky and Annie. Is there anything you'd like to plug? You know, whether you know something that you're doing or some other musicians that you think we should go and check out yeah well let us know she does have an amazing gallery called wise heart and wild so if you want to pop in 
and come and meet um, a brilliant creative artist and musician. She is there at Waste Mills. Beautiful things. Um, and um, on the topic of Doomsday, if you like to read about catastrophe, um, there is my award-winning book, Disarming Doomsday, um, that is out there in Waterstones, um, that is all about terrible things that could happen and hopefully won't. So yes. Um, but, um, <laughs> oh my God, I don't want to plug myself. <laughs> That's no shame. That's no shame. It's fine. Annie, where is your gallery located? It's located in New Mills in Derbyshire, Derbyshire. in the UK. Um, so Bangs Bight in the middle of the country, about half an hour's train ride from Manchester. There we go. And and yeah, uh, Becky, tell us more about the disarming. Uh, what what was it called? Disarm, disarming. Disarming Doomsday. Disarming um, Doomsday. It's yeah. a complete compendium of nuclear culture. Um, so it even has a little bit of the sniffs in there. I'll let you work out which song and why. Um, but, um, <laughs> um, but basically, it's kind of a cultural and social history um, of nuclear war, past, present and future, um, if you can have a future cultural history. And I wrote it. And um, if people are interested, <laughs> it's out there. <laughs> I think uh, Jill Tracy sounds like an ideal soundtrack to that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no wonder I liked her. <laughs> music to write my next book to. <laughs> have you decided on what song... You- you'd like to hear if there's a four minute warning um that's a really good question probably i don't know something by the sex pistols because i'll be in a really bad mood <laughs> <laughs> and this is nice and short definitely not prince or maybe actually because it'll get cut off at just the right moment <laughs> ah and what a cheerful note to end the podcast on. <laughs> fran anything you'd like to to uh, to finish on yeah check out mark owen's song four minute warning <laughs> see as many bands as you can and you know like we have here don't be scared of trying new genres uh, ask people to introduce you to new music it, it's a boring life on streaming services when they tell you to listen to the same songs again and again and again so always try new music because you never know yeah, absolutely. Go down. I, I think Bandcamp is a good one for that. Go on Bandcamp, click on a random tag, click on a random region and and uh, you'll go down a good rabbit hole. I mean, I, I love Bandcamp articles as well, which is like, I don't know, the best psych rock in Croatia today. And you're like, brilliant. OK, I know nothing about this. Let's <laughs> fucking go. Uh, you know, do do that. I, uh, I am with you, friend. Oh, yeah. Like I said, by by region as well. Like I've got so many kind of like Icelandic indie Slovenian punk rock and you're like yeah I, I would have never heard this otherwise like that that is the benefit of streaming services don't just go on the top 50s and and you'll discover weeklies go beyond that good message Fran until next time guys goodbye bye 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 there we go another sacred cow slayed by over underrated and guests do you agree the prince is overrated uh Do you think you could make that playlist for Babs, perhaps, of good songs? If so, get in touch with us. You can follow us at OUMusicPod on Twitter, while it's still here with us, and at OverUnderratedMusicPod on Instagram, or you can email us, OverUnderratedMusicPod at gmail.com. Dr. Becky at Excess Martin and Annie Greater X plugged a lot of different things there in the outro, so I really recommend you looking at the show notes to see all the various things that they're doing. And we hope you have a fabulous week. And a fabulous rest of year. Toot!